What's up, guys? Thanks for coming to our Kaafa and Miss You podcast. Here, you will find resources to help you grow in real devotion, real community, and real responsibility. So you can learn to love Jesus, not just for a season, but for a lifetime. Thanks again for listening, and we hope you enjoy. I am on staff with Chi Alpha. Uh, yeah. It's the best job ever. If you guys really don't believe that, you should check out our internship. <laughs> and you'll find out. Um, but yeah, so we've been going over the doorways of discipleship. We believe that the foundation is Jesus Christ, of course. But there are things that Jesus values and loves and cares about that built on him. Does that make sense? And so we've been going through different rooms. And this time I'm going to go through the guest room. The guest room might not be used often. We might use it for storage a lot of times. Um, but the guest room is very important because the guest room has a, a really key place in Jesus's heart, which is friendship. And so tonight we'll be talking about friendship. I'm going to pray and then we'll get started. Cool. King Jesus, would you give us more revelation of who you are, Lord? Help us to see you in ways we have not seen you. Help us to know your way, Lord God. Help us not to be so little-minded in our own ways and our own thoughts, Lord God. If we believe you are the true Lord, the true King, God of the universe, would our eyes be set upon you? Would our mind be set upon you? Our thoughts, Lord Jesus, let it not be me that speaks, but that you speak to your people, Lord Jesus. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So, a little bit about me um, going into this. I was known between Isaiah Filder, who is not here, but he would call me the popular kid um, in high school. And a lot of times, him and Javi would call me the popular kids a lot, um, that I hung out with everyone and was friends with everyone, and I was cool and whatever, whatnot. But I had felt really empty and alone all the time. Um, hung out with everyone, and so yeah, fast forwarding to college, I don't want to be dreadful, but I got to experience um, traveling the world, and that was really cool. I got to go to Thailand, Peru, Myanmar, Cambodia, Indonesia, all the places, um, which was really, really cool. I did it through study abroad, but, and I got to do amazing things. I got to bungee jump in Peru, I got to go through the Amazon. I got to, shoot, um, kayak, and I don't know, there's a crazy, a lot of things. Cool experiences, um, but one of the reasons why I traveled was because I, I don't know if anyone heard my last sermon the last time, it was about snakes in the grass. <laughs> um, it, was, <laughs> it was because I felt like my friends here, I felt like being trapped in Las Cruces, um, was not enough. And so I wanted to experience more. I wanted to do more. I didn't have, um, yeah, I didn't feel comfortable with my friends. I didn't, yeah, just, I wanted more, right? That's, that's like the whole idea of, especially going to college. And so that was why I traveled. But the same thing I still felt here, I felt there. The moment I laid myself down to go to bed is the same thing I felt here, which was alone. Um, and I know that sounds very horrible, 
And I know that you guys can all conclude whether you're the cool kid, whether you're the athlete, whether you're the smart, whether you have the closest friends, you've all failed to love. And God knows that because in Genesis 2.18, it says, Then the Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. So we all understand that being alone is what we are not made for. And we all probably have experienced it. Culturally, to fix that, a lot of times we like to focus on our family. Family is first, especially in the Mexican culture down here. It is family is first before anything else. On the other end, everyone else, our culture is love. Love. Who's going to love me better than my significant other? Shout out to Sonia. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, but yeah, who would love me better than my significant other? Of course, right? Culturally, we think those are the two highly biggest things. What falls through the cracks is friendships. And a lot of times it falls through the cracks because of the day and age we live in. And I'm not going to get all crazy in this generation because I am totally part of this generation, but it is technology, social media, right? Social media is a, another avenue of like how we try to fix it. We think we, uh, because we share our lives with people, we think people know us, but it's not true at all, right? We even tried to create better apps to help people know us, which was be real, but a lot of times you can look and see people have free taken the picture a couple of times, or they waited when they had the perfect moment instead of doing it right at the moment that they should, right? So we are creating more apps to get closer to each other, to get more real to each other, to get past these lines. Um, there's this doctor who wrote a book. Her name is Dr. Sherry Turkle, and she puts it this way in her book, why we expect more from technology and less from each other. So she says, Technology proposes itself as an architect of our intimacy. Digital connections and the sociable robot may offer the illusion of companionship without the demand of friendship. So it offers an illusion of companionship without the demand of, of friendship. We believe that we are friends with people online, but actually don't know anything about them at all. I was talking to my friend, actually, Isaiah, about this, and he was telling me how there's so many people that talk about Joe Rogan like they know him. How many people have listened to the Joe Rogan podcast, right? Yeah. So a lot of people, he tells me, they talk about him like, oh, yeah, that, of course that's what Joe would say, like if they knew him, which actually does not, they don't know him, but they've watched him enough that they think they know him which this is actually called a parasocial interaction. These people are creating friendships online because they don't have friendships with people in real life. And again, I'm not trying to be a Debbie Downer. Pre-Jesus, I had no friends. And with Jesus, so much life came through this. So, but anyways, but what if we had real friendships? Like the stories in the Bible, like Jonathan and David. So Jonathan and David, there are two people in the Bible, which is King David and Jonathan, who was Saul's son, and Saul's son, who or who was Saul's son, and Saul was the king before David. And Saul was not happy with David taking the throne after him. And so, but Jonathan loved him as a brother, like loved him. And when I mean loved him, we we're talking about significant other love, like 
They, he cared for him. He was there for them. He blessed him with his riches. He took care of him. He, you know, um, was able to care for him more than his dad, which Saul didn't like. In 2 Samuel one twenty six, it says this, that David wrote this, wrote a song about him. He literally wrote a song about him. And then he told all the people of Israel to remember this song. And part of the song says, I grieve for you, Jonathan, because Jonathan had died. I grieve for you, Jonathan, my brother. You were such a friend to me. Your love for me was more wondrous than a love of a woman. He says, your love for me was more wondrous than the love of a woman. And I know a bunch of you guys are probably like, there's no way a guy could be better than my girlfriend. There's no way. You don't know my girlfriend. She takes care of me well. But there are actually friends out there that actually love well. Jesus says it this way in John 15, 13, 17. He says, this is my command. Love one another as I have loved you. No one has greater love than this, to lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. I do not call you servants anymore because a servant doesn't know what his master is doing. I have called you friends because I have made known to you everything that I have heard from my father. You did not choose me, but I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce fruit that your fruit should remain. And so that whatever you ask the father in my name, he will give you. This is what I command you, love one another. So we need to first have a definition of love. Love is constant, unselfishly choosing for the highest good of another. So it's unselfishly choosing the highest good for another. What a friend is, we also need to define that. So uh, what I've heard is a friend is able to actually sit in silence with another friend um, for hours on end and not feel awkward. <laughs> um, if you can do that with a friend, that is a friend because there is no feeling, no need to, to have to entertain, no need to feel um, like you have to do something. You guys are so comfortable. The best other way to say it is that you feel at home, right? You don't have to do anything. I'm, I'm at home with this person, right? So how can we get to this place? God designed us for relationship. Real friendship is fed by growing experiences of God's love. When we know deep down that we are loved and accepted and affirmed by the God who created us, and knows all about us, we are free to give ourselves to others. Does that make sense? So when we know God's love for us, that he wants to know us, that he wants to be with us, that he wants to be close to us, that he wants to go through life with us, we can give ourselves away freely. But we cannot be stingy about this. We have to let God love us, and we also have to open up ourselves to let other people love us. A lot of times, I used to believe that I could not be loved. Like, when I heard about Jesus, I was like, there's no way this guy loves me. Like, there's no way. The things that I've done, the things that I've seen, it's just, there's no way. If this God is as good as he says he is, how can he love how bad I am? And in Scripture, it talked about that God's grace was sufficient enough. And that was so, I had to dwell on that so, so much, and sit with that, and what that actually meant, that his grace was sufficient enough, that he, that he bared my sin, that he loved me enough, 
to go and be close with me to bear what I could not bear. So we have to allow God to actually love us and let other people love us. If we're not experiencing God's love, we will always be seeking from others what only God can give. So if you do not experience God's love, you will always be seeking from others what God can only give. <clears throat> they will always disappoint us, though, if you seek some, someone else's love, because we have expectations that they have that they cannot give. We put expectations on friendships on what only Christ can actually give. If we truly love God, our relationships lose this unhealthy need or desire that will never be satisfied and always be hungry for more of it. Does that make sense? Any of our relationships, they will be out of whack. You will feel this inherent need that you need something from them, that, that I need to be with them. Does that make sense? And so we must, for us to go forward, we must be able to define and have right expectations. Because unrealistic expectations are killers, right? It is rough when someone has an expectation on you. And yeah, it is horrible. So expectations must be managed. It depends on what you, so the way we look at this, it depends on what kind of friendship you have. There's actually different kinds of friendships. Um, is there the slide? So the first one is mentor to mentee. A lot of times this happens when you join um, the church and be part of the body of Christ, this is usually the beginning, someone teaching you something about King Jesus. Then secondly, oh, I don't know if it's up there, but short term. So this one is God moves in and out of many lives. So he gives ourselves when we, we are not in their life constantly. It's just a short amount of time, but when we are with each other, we gave everything to each other. So it's short term. So then the next one is historical. We were very important at some point in our history, but for various reasons, we are not a priority for each other at present day. So this reminds me of my friend Logan. I was literally gonna go plant a church with him, and now I'm here with Taylor Cruz, my other friend. <laughs> um, but he was so important and so vital to me. But now we're not as, big of a priority for different reasons, but nonetheless, it was such a big deal that he was in my life at that moment in time. So that's a historical one. Then there's the dormant one. Um, yeah, so the dormant one is they're very important but because of circumstances, we are not able to be able to interact with each other often. And then the last one is a constant. So these are the special few friends the most intimate ones that you'll ever have. These people are mutually initiating being together. So I say mutually initiating being together and mutually submitting our lives together. So you actually bring your life together. Does that make sense? And so these are the friends we all long for and a few have. When you have constant friends, it is actually life-giving. There was a study um, done that is, uh, it was a Harvard study. It's called the Harvard Study of Adult Development. There's a TED Talk done which says, what makes a good life, lessons learned on the longest study. This study has been done for over 75 years. They got over like 200 men and they just watched their life on what would be the healthiest thing 
from the moment they were like began college till they're like 60 some years old. Um, some people have already passed away. But the study that they found was what made a great life was friendship. These people that had constant friends in their life. This last one that I was talking about. The friends that are intimate with you. The friends that are mutually initiating being together with you. And mutually submitting our lives together. Right? And so that, again, is the hope that we have for our friends that we have. Does that make sense? So there are three components, and we'll go through this pretty quick, but there are three components to building uh, friendship. There's stories, affirmation, and a covenant. So the first thing that friendship grows out of is stories. Stories are a big deal. You have to be willing to... Um, you have to be willing to share, and you have to be willing to hear. Does that make sense? So it, I know it's a big deal, especially with guys, especially with everyone. Honestly, I don't even know, but I'm pretty sure to be vulnerable is a risk and a reward. To be vulnerable is a risk and a reward. It means it will cost you something, right, to be vulnerable and hoping that that person would accept you in whatever way, shape, or form. And so we must be willing to share stories and hear stories from others. So it reminds me of my wife. She went to a small group last night at a church here in town. And the small group's led by this wonderful old lady named Meredith. And my wife's not the most socialist person, but she was really excited after small group because she heard this woman's story. She just heard it a little bit. Meredith was saying all these just random things, just catching glimpses here and there about what God has done in her life. And she said, oh, well, you know, you know, God redeemed me from sleeping with men um, and married men and saying all these other things and all this other stuff. And so she was like, whoa, what is up with this? <laughs> Who are you? Who are you? Right. And then she was talking about how God changed his, her life through through dealing with um suicide and things and again my wife got like whoa who is this woman right if you actually hear and i know that's intense but if you actually hear people's stories you will actually know a lot of people have real stories to tell the cool thing and the reason why i share about meredith is because she would totally be excited to share that story because it glorifies king jesus and what king jesus has done in her her life does that make sense and so yeah, we have to be willing to listen to those stories. Be willing to ask people what their story is. Are you just sitting there and not willing to ask? But on the other end, you have to be willing to share your story. Does that make sense? So you have to be willing to share your story, be vulnerable, open up, you know, and say things. I promise you this. This will lead to the greatest friendships. If anyone knows Taylor Cruz, this is phenomenal being Taylor's friend because he always, always shares. I remember um, a lot of times, or sorry, I remember with Vadim Witt, he was my small group leader. He knew nothing about me. When I first came into small group, I did not share anything about me. And actually his story was more exciting than the story I had. <laughs> he thought I was a meth addict for some reason. I don't know how I looked at the time. But, um, that was his assumption of me. 
But I never told him anything. I never told anyone that I went to small group. I said, I just want to learn about God. I don't want to interact with anyone. I don't want to tell anyone anything. I just want to know who you are, God. That was it. But my life changed when I shared my life with him. And forever my friend Vadim is now my friend. That is so phenomenal and is part of my life. And so we have to be willing to share stories. One of the reasons why we fear stories to share our stories are two reasons. One are scars, but scars aren't bad. Scars just tell us what we probably shouldn't do the next time. The other reason is you're trapped by your history rather than shaped by your history. So a lot of times people are afraid of sharing their stories because they feel like someone's going to put them in a box or, oh, this part of me, you know, like I was a stoner, <laughs> right? Like, and it could seem that I was trapped by that history. Or I barely graduated college. It could seem that I was trapped by this history. But no, like sharing this story has done much more to enrich um, my relationships that I have now. Does that make sense? So the next thing is affirmation. So now that we've heard each other's stories, and when I mean stories, we are going to hear them. And it's not just a one-time thing. It's also being part of the story. Once you hear their story, you become part of the story. Does that make sense? And so that is the way of God, right? If you read the Bible, it is a story being told of how God is redeeming us back to him, right? That is the way of Jesus. Jesus met with the disciples. He hung out with his closest friends, told stories, told who he was, told who he came on behalf. He shared everything with him, right? That's when he said, I will like... Now, I don't call you servants, but I call you friends because you know the things of my Father, because I've shared these things with you. Does that make sense? So this is actually the way of the kingdom, to share stories and then to be part of those stories. The disciples joined in on the redemptiveness of winning us back to King Jesus. Does that make sense? And so, yeah. So the next thing is affirmation. After we hear your story, I know how to love you. 1 Thessalonians 5.11 says, Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up as you are already doing. So a lot of times with friends, we tend to want to tear each other down. We make fun of each other. We think it's funny laughing at one another. We think it's funny being sarcastic. It's hilarious. But really what it's doing is not affirming who people are and, and how great people are. It's actually belittling people and putting people down. And I'm not here to be a sob story, but when we're talking about what King Jesus would do and how, how he would um, react and what the Bible says is to build each other up and to encourage each other. And I know it is awkward and weird. I, I'm not someone that's like, I can't receive a compliment, nor can I give a compliment. I'm like, Pat you on the back, you did good today. <laughs> um, but no, it is so encouraging. It is so phenomenal when you have someone literally rooting for you. Like, I don't know if you guys know this. Most of my close friends know this. I actually do not like being up here on this stage. <laughs> I dread being up here, um, but I want to please my Heavenly Father. But not only that, 
I had friends before this encourage me. I had Shannon come up to me and say, hey, I'm rooting for you and I'm praying for you. I've had people just encourage me over and over, talk to me and help me and, and get me excited and say that they're excited to hear me. And that is awesome. It really is. I'm telling you, I don't think there's one person in this room that doesn't want to be affirmed. Um, so yeah, so yeah, we need to do that. But so much more, we also, it's not just words. We have to be present. We have to be present, and we actually have to be there for each other. Words, words are not enough. Being present, right? Being present in our, our lowest times and being actually there with people is a big deal. Like my friend Christian Castro, um, he's a man of little words, but he is there. He is there when I call on him. He is there every single time. And just the fact that his presence is there comforts me enough, to be honest. And to be present, just be there. If you don't have the words, if you don't have the wisdom, the, be there. And the last thing is with affirmation is it continues on to love one another. Love one another is what Jesus said. It is literal sacrifice. We are living in a world today where it is convenient. Everything is convenient, right? At my convenience, I will help you. At my convenience, I will be with you. At my convenience, if this doesn't mean this. And you college students think you guys are busy? Get a toddler. Taylor talks about his four kids. Four kids, I think? Five, six? What are you going on? <laughs> but get a toddler. Get a toddler. Get a wife. Get a husband. I promise you guys, you guys do not know what busy is. <laughs> get a job. My wife has to deal with 40 like 40 uh, kids to help them grow and develop for her job and has to deal with family. But then she has to come home and be a wife and, and be a mother. And you may not go that way. That's where you're probably like, I'm going to be in a van. I'm going to be by myself. Just the open road, right? But reality is it is not good. Boo, yes. Not good for man to be alone. Right? And... And so not good for man to be alone, but really, like, it actually costs sacrifice. It costs sacrifice. So this brings me to my last one, and we'll wrap it up pretty soon. It brings me to my last one, which is a covenant. God wants our relationship to reflect the covenant he made with us. So the word covenant just means that it is a commitment. It is rooted in action, though. We see that's what Jesus did for us. It was rooted in action. He actually did something. And it was backed by his words. And, and you see in the Old Testament the difference between it. The Old Testament is about all the promises that Jesus was going to bring. Every single time that it was brought up, what Jesus was going to bring, Jesus was going to bring so much life, a whole new way of living, a whole new way of living. And he did do that. He did do it. And it costed him everything. It costed him everything. And I hope that you guys see that. I hope that you understand what a heavenly father is, what a God is, who God is. See, we are all undeserving. When you are king of the universe, which none of you guys, none of you guys could ever imagine, to create something out of nothing. 
to call it your beloved, to call it something that you adore more than anything else. And they don't choose you. They don't choose you. Imagine the people that you loved, the people that you're closest to, the people that you wanted to know and be with. Imagine your mom, imagine your dad not choosing you. But the cool thing, the amazing, amazing thing is his love for us. It is not sad. It is rejoiceful. In abundance. In abundance. Because Jesus died on that cross for us. Because he loved us. He loved us. He loved you. And it sounds crazy. It sounds ridiculous. But I tell you, call out to him. And I promise you, he will meet you. So he made a covenant with us. And he wants that covenant to be reflected in friendship. And we'll wrap it up pretty quick. But that covenant needs to be nurtured in three ways, which is time. Time is our greatest thing. Imagine building a house, right? How many, I don't know if everyone knows about building homes, but have you seen the track houses, the houses that are built really quick? They build these huge, massive areas where they build houses in like months. They're track houses. They, they build them so quick, and they put them up so quick. But if you start, man, if you lean on the wall, the drywall caves in, <laughs> right? You move the door hinge, it falls apart. And what I'm trying to say is, for something to actually be good, it costs time. And it actually costs valuable time. Not just time, it costs valuable time. It costs something. It costs something, right? Just as we we're saying in Jesus. So it costs us time to actually build these friendships. If you're trying to look for a quick one, if you are just going to small group on Tuesday nights and boom, you think, well, why does this guy not love me so much? Well, why, why don't I feel at peace or why don't I feel at joy? Why does it seem like it's not enough? Have you been investing that time? The next thing is truth-telling. Truth-telling is a big thing. You have to be able to be honest with your friends. And it may cause some confrontation here and there, but friendship will go through that confrontation. They will go through it. I will not tell you it'll look pretty, and sometimes it will look amazing. And I'm like, wow, thank you, Jesus, for the other friend, because I don't know how to handle confrontation. But truth-telling is important, especially I had friend Taylor, Taylor again, <laughs> uh, for a good long while. I'll say this quick. We, we did not talk to each other as before I was on staff. I don't even know if he was on staff. But we didn't talk to each other because I thought he was mad at me because I was supposed to do his wedding video, and I never gave it back to him. Um, and I thought he was mad. And for some reason, he thought I was mad at him. I don't remember exactly what it was. But he thought he was mad. And I think it was like a year. We just did not. I was like, I'm not going <laughs> to I'm not gonna talk to this guy. And then finally we like, he, he's the brave one to come up to me and tell me, hey, you know, like, are you mad at me because of this? And I was like, what? No. <laughs> I was like, no, I'm, I thought you were mad at me. And literally wasted like a whole year of friendship because 
we just weren't honest with each other, right? So we have to actually literally be honest with one another, confront one another in a gracious way, in a gracious way. That means how you talk matters, <laughs> okay? Not in a belittling way. We have to be kind. The Bible says be kind, okay? So, yeah, don't be, yeah, confronting some people like that. Um, but, yeah, so the last thing is tenacity. Friendship says I will never quit, right? I will never quit. Imagine um, there was another study done with how, how much it takes to be great at something. I totally don't have it written down, but it is a certain amount of hours. Imagine how much it would take if we actually focused on friendship, things that matter, things that are eternal, things that will carry on to be great at it. Um, and right now, like I said, we're in a culture of convenience. We will not do it if, if, if man, I have to drop my kid off. I have to figure out if we could get a babysitter. My wife's okay with this. I don't know. I can't. Sorry. You know, I don't know what it is for you guys. You have to get out of your bed. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if 20s are a lot. Maybe, yeah. I know school. I was a film major, so probably not <laughs> compared to how busy you guys are. But nonetheless, it's still going to require sacrifice. It may cost something, and that's okay. It reminds me of my good friend, Justin Vistein, who is phenomenal at tenacity. This man will pursue anything and anyone with non-resilience. You cannot stop this man. Nothing will get in the way. He is right now going to plant a Chi Alpha in eastern uh, New Mexico, and it is so, so phenomenal. How amazing. I mean, this guy, I've seen him get treated horribly, even by me. By me. I used to call him my arch nemesis, and he would love me. Like, he would love me nonstop. I was literally like, we were just never on the same page, but he continued and continued to pursue me. And he did that with everyone he met. It was insane. He did that with Joshua Lawson. Joshua Lawson. If you guys do not know Joshua Lawson, he is phenomenal. The reason why, reason why he is so phenomenal is because just as much as Justin has tenacity, Joshua Lawson does too. Because now Joshua Lawson is changing everything of his life and uprooting it and changing schools. He has not finished college, literally changing schools to go help his friend plant a dream that his friend has. He doesn't see the full perspective of what his friend's doing, but that's his friend. And he's willing. He's literally still in school, going to change everything to go over there. That is, that is phenomenal friendship. That is phenomenal friendship. So this is it, my conclusion. Friendship starts with stories and ends with stories. It starts with stories and ends with stories. Begin to hear someone's story. Begin to share your story and be part of someone's story. We must want to know and want to be known. In this digital age where it's about the information we know, we got to remember that it is not about what we know, but who we know. It is about who we know. No matter what, you think you will know all this information, everything you think, 
it always comes down to who you know. Who you know. Let us know and want to be known. We can do this through our relationship with King Jesus. Psalms 139.1 says, O Lord, you have searched me and known me. Isn't that crazy? That God wants to search you and know everything about you. He wants to know what hurts you. He wants to know what brings you joy. He wants to know what brings you to smile. He wants to know what you dream about, what you care about. He wants to do that with you. What a joy that we have a God that wants to do that with us. When we do this, we'll, we'll have wholeness and we will have a deep sense of belonging. A deep sense of belonging. So I hope, I hope that I illuminated a truth that is so dear to Jesus' heart to you guys. I hope that it, it enriches your life. I hope that you are willing to go out there and meet someone new and to share a story. It is so, so phenomenal. I get to, I get to hang out with Brody. <laughs> but um, that's it. I'm going to pray and we'll be done. King Jesus.